0: This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey, and welcome back to the Young Makers podcast. I'm your host, Kenzie Aaron of Aaron Iron and Steel. Let's get right into it. This is the podcast by Young Makers, about Young Makers, and for everybody. And my guest this week really embodies young makers. He's a real jack of all trades. Is into pottery, blacksmith, woodworking, welding. It's is incredible. So, without further ado, I'd like to introduce you guys to Sam Smith.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: So, do you just want to give them a quick, you know, introduction? Tell them who you are.
1: Yeah. Um. My name's Sam Smith. I'm seventeen. I've been doing this for about four years now. Uh, I started with blacksmithing and woodworking, and I kind of did that for a few years. And I got professionally trained in welding, and now I'm doing pottery. So I'm kind of just jumping around, all sorts of different things. And yeah.
0: Awesome. So I'm sure having all these skills, probably, you know, you're probably able to do almost pro... No, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm trying to say something, but I'm struggling with it having so many different disciplines it probably makes you approach projects you know in in unique ways and use use a variety of techniques almost if that makes sense
1: oh yeah for sure it, especially with um woodworking because it's like i have so much knowledge about like like sometimes for blacksmithing, like i need to make like a jig or something or something like that and like my woodworking knowledge comes into play there or like for welding if i need to weld something up for blacksmithing like make a tool or something, it helps. Or in pottery, if I need to, you know, make a tool, I can just forge it. So it's just, it's really nice to have kind of, you know, be well-rounded. I
0: really enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. And thanks for answering that question so much more gracefully than I asked it. So let's, let's uh, start by going way back, and then we'll come back up to the present. But you know, how did you first get started? You said you started in blacksmithing, so let's take you way back to your roots and take us through your journey over the last few years.
1: Yeah, so um technically I started with woodworking, but I kind of the first thing that I really just like like fell deeply into was blacksmithing. I um like way way back at the very beginning of all this, um I inherited a bunch of woodworking tools from my dad. And I really didn't know how to use a lot of them so it's just kind of trial and error trying to find all these you know different ways to use them which was kind of dangerous for a 14 year old but I enjoyed you know doing like you know little little whittling stuff stuff like that and went to like cutting boards stuff like that but um and then I on YouTube found people like Alex Steele and Black Bear Forge and stuff like that fell in love with blacksmithing bought a propane forge and just for about a year and a half that's all I did is just try to get better at blacksmithing because it's just, you know because when you have red hot steel in your hand when you're 14 it's just the best feeling ever and so when I uh, moved to my house that I'm in right now it had this huge garage that I turned into a shop, got back out the woodworking tools, really, you know, started becoming, um made a balance between blacksmithing and woodworking and then, um I took a welding class at my school uh, that's kind of meant for going into the trades, so I got professionally trained in welding, which was really helpful. And then my aunt had an old pottery wheel that she gave me in an old kiln, so I decided to start learning how to do that. So I've been very fortunate to get a bunch of inherited stuff to try to fix and work out and try to do what I can with them, which is why, you know, I have all these different interests and hobbies, I guess. But they all, you know, come into that one, uh, I guess, category of making things because it's all the same thing to me. Just I just love the
0: activity of making things. So. Yeah, it feels so good, doesn't it? So satisfying. It doesn't. It doesn't matter what you're doing, making things. Like I, um, I take welding class at school too, and um, actually, lots of other kids like to try and do projects. But it's just like tacking, you know. ...little round steel into a tree or something, and I, I'm not into that. So he keeps asking me to do a project, and I say, well, let me just move on to oxy-welding or whatever. And I just keep moving on through the welding, so it's pretty fun. But, and I think something that, I don't know, relatable for me... Because your your backstory is so cool, because you keep moving through these different things. You, And it almost shows that when you try making something using a certain method it'll almost always hook you, or something about it will stick with you, and I find that's such like an interesting thing that you see with a lot of, uh, makers, and it's that once you try it, or you see it once, it, it sort of catches you, and you have to see what you can, what you can do with it, and so, like, I take stained glass class at school too, and that's my favorite class by far, is I love doing the stained glass, it's, like, everyone laughs at me, because I sit there, And I'll go over to the light table and actually shine the light up through my pieces to see how the fit up is and like spend classes and classes just fitting up these tiny pieces and people, everyone else is in there to goof off because the teacher doesn't really care. But I love, I love that class too, just sitting there and working. So yeah, just a personal anecdote that I thought tied in because you're, yeah, like I said, your, your backstory is so interesting with, with moving between these different crafts and trades and I think that it's a lot of people like to say the old like jack of all trades master of none but I think I think that's a lie like I love I love learning new things and I think that's a that's a big maker mentality and something great about being young is you learn so fast and you know we as young people while our brains are growing we have that capacity to learn all these things so I think i think it's really fantastic that you go around and just absorb stuff i think that's admirable i
1: appreciate that yeah but yeah i I get that that it's like being young is a huge advantage to it because it's like not only you know minds are prepped for it but it's just it's just really fun because it's you know you're curious and you want to see what you can do which is you know just making something that you see you know on instagram or youtube or something and like trying to see what you can do with it's just you know always a great time
0: yeah, and making things will keep your mind sharp, I believe, as you grow up and, you know, you don't you don't get soft sitting behind a desk. You get to keep pushing and keep changing and growing and making new things, and I think that it's really good for you. But what do I know? I'm 15, so, <laughs> you know, I don't know much about growing old, but I figure this can't be bad. But you and this is this is a little bit of an awkward transition, but you mentioned uh, that you get a lot of tools that you need to fix and work out and figure out, and uh, that brings me into what I've been doing this week, and then I'll ask what you've been up to, but I, well, I guess I'll start by going through the normal stuff. I made some knives. I, I uh, finished up a knife, oh no, that was last week, but I've got a knife right now that I'm working on and slowly uh, prototyping. I'm, I want to put it as my first production model, it's just a a 7 inch so it's nice for any home cook uh chef's knife with a simple one piece octagonal cherry wood handle and the cherry is so easy to work with that it's and it comes out so nice and hard it's it's really awesome and so I'm I'm working towards trying to dial in my processes towards this one specific knife and so I've been working on the second iteration of that knife this week which I overground on one side so that one's that one's a gift for sure but it's good. I'm I'm mostly tuning the profile right now so it's looking good to me. And then today I was going to try and forge out a knife for a custom order this morning before talking to you, but my dryer broke and so I've spent the whole morning taking apart my dryer and we need to just we're just going to try and grease some bearings and then toss it back together. And if that doesn't work we'll have to start replacing some rollers and stuff in there but that's that's been an ordeal. It's it's so awful because it's all sheet metal screws, and the dryer is made to look nice, so everything every screw is covered by something that you have to pry off first. And I've been struggling with it all morning. So, yeah, yeah, that's been my week. It's been good and awful today, but it's it's turning up. We're recording an awesome episode today, so I'm looking forward to the rest of the weekend. How about you what have you been up to this past week or even two weeks you're not on here every week so
1: yeah i mean kind of the same thing um trying to fix a kiln actually right now it's a really big old um german kiln and it's just you know all the relays are shot the electricity's messed up so trying to get it fixed it's really difficult really pushing my buttons but I don't know. I'm attempting to uh fix that. I just got a two twenty plug put in for it. And um besides that, uh, I've been working on this um really nice record player holder out of cherry wood. So I relate to that. Cherry is just a joy to work. I love I, cherry. I, I love it. So yeah, I started with um these three really long um can't remember how many board feet they were, but they were pretty long. Uh slabs. And so I had to mill those, you know. Uh, face join, side join, plane, cut up, you know, all, everything that goes into it, there's just so much work that goes into getting it to be a flat board, and so I'm at that point right now, I'm gonna uh, screw it all together, you know, put the finish on it, it's gonna be a really good project, but yeah, but, you know, I'm always working on a ton of things, um, uh, like you said, with production work, it is so hard, because <laughs> I'm trying to make a bunch of mugs and cups and stuff for an Etsy sale, um, hopefully in the next few months. And it is it is difficult. Just getting in the groove and, you know, trying to produce the same kind of thing over and over. And yeah. It's it's a good time though.
0: Yeah, and I wanna I wanna seize on that, and which that's awesome. And I'm I wanna hear more about that kiln in a minute, but first I wanna talk about production work because it's something that I've been trying to gear my mind towards. I've got a knife design that I'm just obs- like I'm in love with it, everything about it. Like screams about it speaks to me somehow as an artist or a craftsman or whatever you want to say and you know people start to start to sniff at you when you start saying things like that, but I and I used to think that was silly too when people were like, "Oh, the art speaks to me, but this knife has some special for me in it." And and so I really feel passionate about trying to make a bunch of them and figure out processes so you were talking about you are what do you call pottery throwing throwing a bunch of mugs and so i'm just curious to see or to hear um your process for these mugs
1: yeah so um basically it starts out with a big 25 pound bag of clay and so there's a little bit of work that goes into trying to get it the right uh what you call plasticity which is um You know how easy it is to work and so you know there's some you have to add water and stuff like that which is yeah whatever so then uh, you take it and then i weigh out each of the balls of clay usually it's about um a little bit less than a pound of clay each and you throw on the wheel and then you know do the forming starting with the centering and then pulling up the walls letting it dry a little bit and then attaching the handle which when you say it like that it sounds you know like an easy project but I cannot tell you how many mugs I have made and then destroyed because I did something too soon or I attached the handle the wrong way or just all these different things, all these little details that go into it to try to make it both um, like uh, aesthetically pleasing but also functional. And then once you nail it and you get one, you're like, okay, that took forever just to get this simple mug. Now I have to do that 200 more times and trying to do the same thing over and over is just a totally different game as to just like throwing on there, throwing the clay on there and, you know, trying to see what you can do. So yeah, oh, it's a good time. Go ahead.
0: No, yeah, I'm done. Oh, yeah. When you when you have no plan or you're making something once, it's sort of free and loose and creative and you just let yourself do your thing. And if it, you know, it comes out good or bad. But, you know, when you're working to, to some specific dimension or something that's when it gets it definitely gets tricky and something funny i've noticed whenever i try and make something multiple times the second one always comes out worse than the first one without fail well i guess it is with with fail without success um and then it's like the fourth one is when you finally hit your stride or something around there you know you you mess up a couple and then you finally find the success that you hit in the first one and it goes up from there so I think that's what I'm hitting too on this second second shot at this knife is it's not coming out very well. So hopefully the next one will come out better. But I'm going to need to find customers for a bunch of knives. I really want to make, you know, these in batches of 5 or 10. or I was even almost looking at 15. Probably closer to 5 though, realistically. Um, but finding 5 people that like the same knife is a lot harder than finding one customer who wants their custom order. And so I've been trying to figure out, you know, ways in which I can reach the market. I've been looking at trying to get my knives in a store, but I don't think it's tough at such a low quantity. And I think if doing it in batches allows me to send them off to get them heat treated professionally, which the heat treat is the most important thing. I've got them nice and thin behind the edge, so I'm confident that, you know, professionally heat treated blade will come out to be a good blade but trying to get it into a store or find enough customers i need to build a website so i've just i've got a lot of business business stuff and theoretical stuff going on in my head right now especially cuz it's been snowing here uh it's, the snow is sticking more than i would have hoped so it's cold and i'm i'm looking forward to moving into that nice warm shop at the end of the month yeah I, I
1: i can't relate with that i'm i'm in alabama right now I uh, yeah I don't have to deal with snow here,
0: oh yeah, I'm sure it's warm enough there, oh yeah, but yeah, with
1: back to the production yeah. like how you were talking, like there's just people don't understand just like how much work goes into making like any of these things, and especially a knife, because I've made probably probably somewhere around thirty knives in the last four years, and it's just so much goes into it, you have to know so many different things and how, you know, it all works together. And then when you want to start, you know, I don't want to say mass producing because that's not what it is, but it's, you know, making it over and over.
0: Yeah. put it, I, is, I'm considering it like a production model. Right. Exactly. That's how I see it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, you know,
1: there's just, there's just something about it. It's just, you know, so fulfilling, but so difficult. So, yeah. I mean, that's part of it though.
0: And I love the feeling of when you find it small enough. I think that's something a lot of people have. New knife makers have these big, thick blades, and if I notice, like, I see, I can almost my thing when I'm scrolling through Instagram is I judge a lot of the knives I'm looking at by the tip, and that tip, if it, if the angle of the tip looks looks right, it should be a fine tip, almost, and or for the for the design. So the tip should be the oh, how do I explain this? like on a on a kitchen knife you want a nice fine tip that the angle looks nice but a lot of new knife makers it comes the tip happens very abruptly and it's almost rounded over and so that's where i judge a lot of it it's in this fineness and finesse to it that you know you find the right distal taper and thinness on the blade i've got my last one thin enough i can flex the tip with my hand but thick enough that it's comfortable to cut with it's not waving on you so and then small enough in the handle, too. People are always worried about making handles too small, but too big is so much worse, I feel like. You know, if you hold something small in your hand, it feels better than something too big. So you see all these big, beefy handles. and So I'm just trying to get this level of fineness and finesse into my knives. Yeah, but I'm, I'm a
1: c- big fan of the small ones, too. Those are they're so much harder to make, but I really enjoy yeah. it.
0: And when you get, when you get down to the small things there, then you, you know, you mess up something like a degree or two off and you just see it and you know that you've messed up the whole thing. So, oh, it's, yeah, it's something. But I'm curious, and for some reason, the thing that always interests me about pottery is the glazes. So do you just want to take a second and, because this is, we've had a lot of knife makers on here. You're the first person that does pottery, so I'm sort of seizing on that. Right for the beginning of the show here um yeah I don't really know much about glazes do you want to talk about it
1: yeah for sure and just to preface I'm probably the worst knife maker that you've had on the podcast because you know I it's more of a not something that I do to I mean because I have sold them but not something that I do to like perfect as much as I do um you know my other things but uh yeah yeah but in pottery the glaze is just such an interesting thing because you can, basically what happens is you can either paint a glaze on or you can dip it and what I usually do is just to dip it into the glaze and when you dip it um, for example some uh, uh, tea mugs that I made, I dip them into this red colored glaze and then you pull it out and you know they're all red, you can see it everywhere and then when you fire it, it turns bright green so you don't really know it's because there's a chemical process that happens in the kiln because you know it's like heat treating you know when you heat treat the steel when it gets that temperature and then you cool it down so fast it changes the way that the steel grain like works yeah and it's the same kind of thing in pottery because if you look at you know soft clay that you can like mold with your hand and then a piece of porcelain which will break when you you know hold it the wrong way it's just such a crazy difference and that all happens in the glaze firing which gets up to about 2300 degrees So, yeah, it's just, it's really interesting because you don't, there's um, two types of glazes. Um, One is like the normal glaze that you see, which goes on after what's called the bisque firing, which is the first firing of the pottery. And um, that's, you know, the normal one. And then there's an underglaze, which you paint on, which kind of stays how you put it on and looks how it is going to be after the glaze firing. But all of these production pieces that I'm making and all the vases and uh, pretty much everything that you see, like on my Instagram or my YouTube shortly are going to be these overglazes where I'm kind of experimenting and figuring out how it works and how they blend and you know especially when it gets that hot you know you can just do the same you can put the same glaze on three different things and depending on where they're placed in the kiln they can be completely different like I've seen potters on Instagram and the same glaze fine with the same glaze they've had uh, like a like a light like a light gray white glaze that got a little bit hotter on one side of the kiln and it was kind of blue and then on one that was dark blue and so you just you just never know and it's
0: just really interesting the way that it all comes together in that last glaze. that's fascinating I know I've watched the the Great Pottery Throwdown on TV and me and my mom were sitting there thinking man we should just get a wheel but that's so cool
1: it is it is you know like any anything like like yeah. making anything it will it, it will grab you and you'll love it the first time you do it and then you'll see things on Instagram and you're like I can do that and then you'll do it you can't do it you can't. so then you, and then you work until you can so
0: yeah and it's so awesome and you were talking about experimenting and figuring out things and figuring out your own processes is something so important that I know you talked you've mentioned a couple times uh imitating things you see on the internet and that's such a great way to learn but once you've once you've hit a point of competence in your in your thing it's that's when it becomes yeah time to start experimenting and finding your own way of doing things that sets you apart from everything else and i think that sounds like where both of us are sort of starting to head right now especially once you start getting into selling your work is when you have to start doing your own thing for sure so when, when did you start selling your work? So I've
1: been selling things kind of um, not really uh, organized for a while. I like I said I made like I said in the beginning, I've made a ton of cutting boards. Um, so I've been kind of selling those off slowly you know to friends and um, f- family stuff like that. but um, I'm trying uh, like you said earlier, you know trying to get all the business stuff figured out it's such an exciting thing for me like i really enjoy it but it's so difficult you know the branding the website building the you know everything that goes into that into getting everything sold so um i'm trying to get more organized because right now like the um record player holder that i'm making i sold that through social media um someone contacted me wanted it you know a commission piece and that's good but it's not as um professional as i would want it to be eventually so at the moment i'm trying to build my website online presence and then i'm going to link it to an etsy which i'm going to try to have up whenever my kiln gets fixed so yeah it's so do you have a website already i do not i had one for a minute but i was not happy with it so i took it down trying to fix it but yeah awesome What, what did you make the website on um at first i did it on wix which is the free one, the free website builder, and right now my older brother is a website developer, so I'm looking at that, looking, I'm working with him. Oh, and sweet! So if that doesn't, you know, if that doesn't pan out, I'm always looking at Squarespace because you know. You see, Squarespace sponsors everyone. All the makers on YouTube.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was looking at. I've been looking into Squarespace as well. Well, I looked at, and you know what actually sold me. And usually ads don't get me, but Alex Steele did his video. Did you see the one about making a thousand dollars in a day?
1: Yeah, with the with the germ hook thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so I looked on that website that he built in just a few minutes, and it just and obviously there wasn't much on it, but it looked so clean, like the website looked professional and nice. And like sometimes when you scroll through websites pe- that haven't been professionally built, it's it's obvious. But that looked nice, and so I figured, you know, if he did that with no real thought or uh, time investment, then if I sit down and work on it, it should work out. And so just because it's, yeah, the advertising got to me. So I'm going to use Squarespace. Um, I'm not, I'm not advertising for them. I just, just got it's caught. Good, I it's guess It's a good
1: service, especially if you do, um, if you want to sell through your website and not something like Etsy because mm-hmm. that, you know, all the security is already, you know, encrypted and dealed with. So,
0: yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. So that's convenient too, isn't it? Yeah, I I had Etsy for a minute and I don't think I ever managed to successfully link my bank to it and so I don't think I got I only made 60 bucks on there but I don't think I ever got it. I might have and spent it without I don't know. I, don't, I wasn't sure about it so I ended up deleting my Etsy. But
1: yeah, I haven't haven't tried it uh, for real yet so I'm going to put it up and if it doesn't work out, I'm gonna just going to try to do it through my website. So
0: yeah, and they're going to send you a ton of emails all the time about advertising and stuff so i don't know i was sort of annoyed by etsy their fees aren't too too bad and it's nice that uh you can make your shipping labels through them that's a that's a nice feature Mm -hmm.
1: there's a lot that goes into all this especially especially being young people you know trying to start your own businesses there's just so many different things that you have to know about so yeah it's
0: it's really confusing and there's a lot of things that like costs that it's not really expensive in the long run, but that initial investment is difficult. Things like packaging, like I want to get some custom packaging for my knives soon, and it's not it's not really expensive. It ends up being like 2 or 3 bucks a package, but you end up having to buy, you know, 20 or 50 or whatever because you want custom. So to make sense with their fees to set up for printing or whatever, you end up having to make a bunch and so I'm trying to get, save up some money to order a thing of custom packaging, which will be nice if I do a production line of knives, then I have a knife that will always fit in the box, or a box that will always fit the knife. Um, so yeah, there's so so much business stuff, building a website seems so difficult too. well no, not difficult, but it's another time and money investment that it's, Oh, oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> there's a I really,
1: lot. I really enjoy it, though. It's just it's just a lot of things. It, it's I, I don't want to say overwhelming, but like if you if you don't if if you let it, it gets overwhelming.
0: Yeah, but it's fun. It's fun.
1: It's a good time. I I really do yeah. enjoy it.
0: Yeah. So I've got I've got my logo. My mom used to be a graphic designer, so she helped me make a simple logo and like a a logo with my full company name. Uh, I remember when I got my first package, you know, sometimes you order supplies and it says like business name and I typed air and iron and steel in there just like as a laugh and the shipping label said to air and iron and steel. And I thought that was so awesome. <laughs> like I was, I was so excited about that box. It wasn't even funny. So yeah, there's lots that goes into it. And those first couple customers become so important, um, uh, all all the money you get at first goes back into the business just to buy new tools. So like, even though a knife for me costs probably seventy, I don't know. I used I used to know this number. I have it written down somewhere. It's we'll call it like seventy bucks or something to make a knife. But then any any additional money I, it comes back into if I want a new disc sander or something. So yeah, it feels like you're getting so much money, but. It ends up, I'm you know, all my personal stuff comes from allowance, anyways. Yeah, I um,
1: I work, I work a job, to, and all pretty much all the money that I work from my job goes, you know, into you know trying to build the business, you know, materials stuff like that, and any money that I make, like all the money that I'm gonna make from this um, record player holder, is going straight back into the business. Oh yeah. And it's just it's that's how that's how it is, and it's just it's so exciting because I know that, I'm developing as an artist but also kind of you know getting some good business experience which is definitely going to help so
0: yeah and well what do you do other what like what do you do that you like more than your work really
1: exactly I yeah i there's because i mean because if i'm home i'm in my shop doing something like 95 percent of the time yeah because i just i just wake up and go and start making things as soon as possible just because I just love that feeling of getting better, you
0: know, growing as an artist. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's nothing I'd rather spend... Well, there's a, there's a couple things I'd rather spend my money on than, like, sandpaper, but... Yeah. And new nothing excites me as much as a new tool, for sure. Yeah.
1: And and especially that with th- knife making, because it's like... Because, like, with pottery and woodworking, there's there's ways that you can, you know, do a lot of things with, like very different tools, but with, like, knife making, like, you don't want to sit there
0: with a file for eight hours when you could use a belt sander, and it's like... You can, but... You can. (laughs) Knife making is tool-intensive, and steel, hard, hardened steel is so hard to move. It's it's just so... Like, the
1: tools are so important, and, you know, I'm not saying that you can't make knives with, you know, simple tools, because I've done it plenty of times, and I love it. It's so much fun. It's satisfying, for sure. (laughs) But when you upgrade from... A, a file to a one by 30 belt sander and then when you upgrade from a one by 30 belt sander to a 2x72 belt sander it's like just it makes you feel some type of way it's it's incredible
0: yeah and i love using my tools like tools i love hand tools too i want to get into hand tool woodworking just as a almost as like a side hobby i don't really like like i hate wood dust so much but i love the shavings so it sounds like a therapeutic thing to try and get into. Uh, your your woodworking is mostly done with, you know, traditional power tools, though, right? Most of it is,
1: yeah, because I for like for my cutting boards that I make all the time, it's um, my table saw. Probably my top three tools that I use in those projects: my planer, my table saw, and my miter saw. Yeah. So, that's great to have. But like, um, I fixed up a couple planes, old hand planes. I sharpened. I took them out. You know, took all the rust off sharpen the um the blade and just instead of using my planer on one of the cutting boards i used that and you know it took like three and a half hours but it was so therapeutic and satisfying so yeah it's wood wood hand tools are definitely something special
0: yeah hand tools are fantastic and you know there's there's definitely some things even no matter how many power tools you have there's some things you can only do with a chisel oh yeah especially
1: like with spoon carving I've done that a couple times, and you, Mm. it's, spoon carving is just, when you, like, you're sitting outside, just in nature, carving a spoon with, like, a little, little chisel or a little knife, like that, you can't beat that with any power tool.
0: Yeah, I've carved one spoon, and I'm, I'm looking forward to the next one. My grandparents, uh, we cut down a big birch tree uh, a little while ago, it's hard birch, and so that wood is all dried, and there's time, I could make 150 spoons, and birch carves nicely, so...
1: I bought this really huge slab of birch I still haven't used it but it was on sale and I was like i I absolutely have to have that I'm just holding on to it for the right
0: project yeah like hard birch and cherry they're, they're just such nice woods we're gonna we're just gonna sit here for another half hour and talk about how nice birch and cherry is it's so awesome so we're talking about how awesome tools are and how we spend all our money on tools uh, what, what's the next tool you're, you've been eyeing up
1: um, well if I'm being honest I'm a little bit um, pessimistic on how I'm going to be able to fix this kiln um, I've gotten some quotes from some people that do this professionally and the parts need to ship from Germany and I haven't heard back from them so I've been looking at a few different kilns which just get crazy expensive so you know looking at that kind of thing for pottery but besides that um i just bought a drill press the other day a new drill press because mine broke drill presses are some of the best like time saving tools like you don't need them because you can use a hand uh a hand drill for basically everything you use a drill press for but it's just so nice to have
0: well but and drill presses are not well, that expensive either expensive. relatively yeah, relati- yeah exactly for for a tool yeah, compared to, you know, a 2x72 belt sander, yeah. a drill press is such a, <laughs> a... Drill press even looks like it's more complicated than the belt sander, but yeah. it's yeah, so I'm much cheaper.
1: I, I'm really fortunate to be able to use a bunch of inherited tools and stuff like that, but, you know, I've bought probably maybe a little under half of my tools just because, you know, makes, it makes things easier. And uh, I, re- yeah. Yeah, I really... I really, really like tools. I I always take old files and old hammers and stuff from anyone that gives them to me. And mm-hmm. more tools is good. Exactly, because that, that's what's gonna happen when when people start making is like when I started blacksmithing. Every piece of old steel that I saw, I picked up. a Bunch of railroad spikes, you know, all these old hammers. I was looking for an anvil for probably about three and a half years. It's just you know it just eats away at you because you're like I can make something out of that. So you just pick up a piece of rusted iron off the side of the
0: road but you know that's how it is i have to control myself too because i make knives like i really i really don't do much of like artist blacksmithing or even salvage knives like i I buy my steel in bars i don't i don't use that scrap but i see it and i'm like well i could look at that shape like what a cool shape no, no <laughs> i gotta learn to leave it and people start bringing you stuff i've got a big bag of uh of they're like these thick saw blades. I don't even know what type of saw they're from, but they're almost, you know, maybe an eighth inch thick. And and they're like long, they're like hacksaw blades, but heavy. And so I've been making, I keep breaking my handle brooch And so I keep making new ones out of them. And, you know, it's nice, nice steel to make little tools out of. So people start bringing new stuff and it definitely comes in handy.
1: Yeah, people, uh, my aunt's friend, uh, does a lot of car repair, so he has like all this big pile of leaf springs that he just lets rust outside. And my aunt told him that I've used, you know, I've made a couple knives out of those. And I just, you know, I I have so many leaf springs and I love them so much, but at a certain point, it's just it's too much. I can't keep that leaf up. Leaf
0: spring is nice steel to work with. Mm-hmm. Fifty. But I, I don't feel nice. comfortable selling selling salvage knives. But I like to make it.
1: Yeah, because it's some. I worry sometimes that it's not like it's not as pure as it should be but i've had some some good um rockwell hardness tests on some leaf spring knives and some of them turned out really good but i haven't sold any of those
0: yeah yeah you can you can definitely get good results and there's lots of people out there that do fantastic work with it but it's not for me i guess Mm -hmm. it's
1: it's a whole different type of thing because it's like you gotta like because when you get a bar of steel you know it's like it's like ready to go but then at leaf spring, you're like kind of worrying the whole time that you're forging it until the until the quench that you're like, is this? Am I spending you know ten hours on a knife that's like not gonna harden? It's kind of it's kind of worrying sometimes, but
0: yeah, people do and do even like after the quench too, you're almost worried like, what's the grain structure in the middle of this look like? Mm-hmm.
1: All the it's, little it's details. It's good you for practice about. though.
0: Yeah, and that's what like well, I'm my next tool i'm getting is a power hammer coming at the end of the month oh my i'm gosh, so excited are you serious yeah that ethan is... hardy i'm renting ethan hardy's it's just a 25 pound little giant it's this little guy and i'm so psyched for it so i'm gonna spend a lot of time working with railroad or er, uh leaf springs because it yeah it's scrap steel and i know i'm gonna mess up a lot of knives forging on that thing so yeah that it's is nice exciting. To, it's so exciting <laughs> And then after that, I'm looking at the kiln, the big kiln, uh, three three thousand dollars Canadian for the, I think it's the eighteen inch Paragon I'm looking at. Yeah, that Cause is my, be... my blacksmith supply place gives it for uh, free shipping, so that's nice on something so big and heavy. Man, that I can't get over the power hammer. I'm obsessed oh. with old tools like that. Yeah, nineteen seventeen.
1: Yeah, that is gonna be a joy to work. Oh with. God!
0: And Ethan has done night, like he's taken care of it. He's done a couple, you know, repairs and new parts. But it all—it looks beautiful. So, I'm just—I don't think I've slept in the last month. Another week or two, call it one to three weeks, and it's gonna be in my possession. So I'm so psyched for it. I can't wait. Friend, um, his grandfather did a lot of blacksmithing, and.
1: My friend inherited all of his old stuff, so we just went to. He hasn't had any time to um, put it all out, so he has in a storage container. So we went to go look at it the other day, and he's got all these old metal bandsaws and old anvils, and he's got a little giant in there that he needs to fix up. And I'm just so excited to get that stuff out, take the rust off, and just see how it works. Cause like, there, there's like when I when I have my own house in the future, like probably one of the first things I'm gonna try to get is a little giant because that's is one of the most beautiful tools that i've ever seen in my life i love them so much
0: yeah little giants are nice i've heard a lot of and and you can actually still buy some like little giant someone has bought the company or something and so you can they have a website and when they get parts they can sell them i don't think they're making any parts but they they have uh, manuals for them and some parts when they get them which is nice that there's that resource for it for sure. Although I've heard a lot of bad things about old hammers like that, just like money pits, oh, like yeah, buy an old car. But it's yeah. it's worth it too it's... for a lot of. Yeah, yeah my um, uh,
1: here in Birmingham, Alabama, it's this is like called like the Steel City. Um, in the South, and it there's this big old um, iron furnace called Sloss Furnaces, and they do um, metal arts. They have a whole metal arts program there. And they have all of these old tools from, like, the late 1800s. And I was there the other weekend. And they have this power hammer. It doesn't work. But it's, like, something like 400 pounds, um, the RAM. And it is just incredible, all this stuff that they have. And I just walked around looking at all these old tools. And
0: it's just, it's so exciting, seeing stuff like that. Oh, that's lucky, too. Uh, Birmingham. So... Is there much wrought iron around there, or? Cause that's a pretty old city. Yeah, it's as far as the states go. I've seen a lot for sale, and at um, at Sloss
1: Furnace they did um, pig iron is what they produced, and so cause it's a huge foundry, just these massive, you know, all the all the stuff that goes into it. But, um, I, one of the first blacksmithing classes, or the first blacksmithing class I ever took, was with this guy. His name's um, Kenneth Spivey. And he was down here in Birmingham and he moved up to Atlanta. But he just came back down because he just got hired as the uh, the master blacksmith at Sloss. So that's great. So now I have a connection there. So, you know, seeing all that kind of stuff is incredible. And uh, I've been really looking into um, trying to buy wrought iron stuff for sculptures because I've never worked with it before. And it seems just like a beautiful thing
0: to, to work with, especially when you etch it. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome that you live in such an in- industrial place, though. Here, it's Alberta, so it wasn't really like colonized very well until steel was standard. So even on the railroad and stuff, it's it's mostly old steel. Um, I found one wrought iron nail. It was, it was like a big spike, I guess, but and so I made a small knife with that. And then I actually just went to the. It's called the restore here, so it's just like like a hand store you donate stuff and then they sell it. and they had just this bar of it looked like steel sitting on this shelf and it said a dollar on it. It's like, well, okay, like let's look at this and it looked like it had lines like wrought iron. and I thought, oh, I wonder if this has been like rubbed off or if this is just a random piece of wrought iron because it was still silver and stuff, so I like I was so confused. so I bought it like a dollar you can't go wrong. And it doesn't spark, so I'm feeling really good. And it's soft, so it's not like cast or anything. Like it's, it's looking good to me. So I might have just found. That's you know, exciting. A it's just a it's, just a it's just a little piece, like one one nice size knife or something, you know, clad in that. But for a dollar, yeah, you can't go wrong. So I was psyched. And then I found ironwood there too. There was like a fish sculptor, or yeah, it's. Yeah, so I'm almost thinking I should do, like, a, a, you know, a restore knife with all the weird materials I've found there. That's pretty exciting, because both of those materials are really hard to come by. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and for, yeah, the fish was, like, 15 bucks, and I've got at least two handles out of it, plus some bolsters. So, yeah, (laughs) That's, that's so cheap for ironwood, like, it's not even funny. Yeah, it's it's exciting. I love you got to keep your eyes open for for good materials. So, we've been talking for a while and this has been such a fantastic conversation. We've missed some of the like important questions I like to ask. So, let's just rewind to something I usually ask in the first 10 minutes. Um let's go to the advantages and challenges of being a young maker and we've we've sort of touched on this, but I want to give it a direct look. Um So we've mentioned things like just how fast you learn, how much time, how curious you are. Um, But we've also mentioned disadvantages like being completely bewildered by business. And so I'd I'd be curious to hear any other ideas that you have on that.
1: I think, yeah, the business part of it kind of falls into both. I think it's more of an advantage because I, I really do enjoy it and I enjoy learning about it. But, you know, there are some things that are just like, wow, like I have no idea how this works. And um, some disa- some more disadvantages, I think. Um, partly, I think, is, again, something that falls into both is people don't really take you seriously. So that can be difficult for people. Like um, when I got professionally trained in welding, all these well they're all old welders that taught us and what they're trying to get you to do is to you know go into welding like on a pipeline or something like that and I was like no like I'm, I'm kinda here for like sculpture work and they're like no like just don't do that just don't waste your time which is you know that's expected but um, some people you know don't take it seriously don't really understand but then that also gives you the room to be able to like you know show them what you can do and when they see it it's you know incredible like um, with Railroad uh, Specknife specifically I've seen, I've talked to someone and they were like, yeah, you can't really, you know, make a good looking knife with that. And I was like, well, I can make a really good looking knife with it. It won't be like, you know, a hard knife. Like I can't quench it to, you know, a Rockwell hardness of 60 or 59 or whatever, but I can make it look really good, you know, be a nice showpiece, like a piece of history. And so, you know, it it gives you the room to be artistic and to kind of, you know, uh, surprise people with what you can do with, you know, old pieces of steel. So, yeah.
0: Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I think, but, and I think the thing we always come back to on here is that the advantages always outweigh. Oh yeah, outweigh sure. the challenges. As long as you have supportive parents or family, I think is what it comes down to. And I mentioned sometimes I had a friend on, you know, back when I was first getting into it, and he bought a forge and he had the same tiny anvil I had. 12 pound because we figured a real anvil is better than a piece of steel which was obviously a little bit off but his parents wouldn't really like they let him do it but they wouldn't really let him sort of dive into it and so you know he's lost it and so it's it's easy it's it's worth it and it's good to do as long as you have someone behind you to support you Mm
1: -hmm. and i've been really fortunate in that in that part of it because like I went up to my mom when I was 14, I was like, hey, I want to get a forge, runs off of propane, gets up to 2500 degrees, uh, you know, what do you think? And I, I'm, I'm so lucky that she let me and that they helped me, you know, get everything set up. And my family has just been so supportive of like, you know, all the different art things. My sister's an incredible artist, like traditional artist, she uh, paints and draws. And she's been giving me some really good design tips, which has been incredible. And, you know, the input that I've gotten from them has been, like, so valuable. But I just just always think back to me being 14 in middle school asking for a forge and getting one. Because, you know, I didn't have any of my own money at that time. You know, now everything that I buy, I pay for myself and, you know, that kind of thing.
0: But, like, I'm very, very lucky in that regard, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, you got to yeah your family is so important, and it, it we're so lucky that we have you know good people around us. My family you know we've got a lot of welders in the family, so working with steel it wasn't too far a step and yeah, just that support that support is so great so you know we've looked at we've looked at the past and where we've come from to get to this point, and we've both talked a lot about the businesses that we're trying to grow. But I'm wondering you know give me give me a bit of a roadmap for the next year or two for you what are you what are you thinking
1: cool so I'm a senior in high school right now um, I'm doing you know full online school because America's uh super messed up right now especially the south but um uh so I'm kind of like I have so much time on my hands because I don't I don't go to school so I have so much time to do uh, my own thing you know build this business and I'm planning on taking a gap year before college Um, next year I'm just gonna go pretty much full-time and trying to build this and see where it can take me and then I'm going I'm looking at some uh, not like you know traditional American college like I don't really think that's my path but I've been looking at different you know international programs and stuff like that that is um, focused it's like business programs and they're not the full four years most of them are like two and a half to three years and it focuses on entrepreneurship and branding And like um, building your own creative business pretty much. So I really do want to take this professionally as much as possible. And that's going to take a lot of work. And I want to, you know, I I really do want to just kind of put myself into this because I I feel so fulfilled when I'm making things. I'm sure you can relate. It's like, yeah, like I'll go to my uh, because I work in a grocery store to I work two days a week to pay for all the hundreds of dollars that I spend on materials. And uh, I go into work and I'm like, I, you know, I can't, I, I'm not fulfilled doing this. Like I just want to be home making something. And so that really drives me to try to be the best that I can be and to be, try to perfect this and try to learn as much as I can so that I can take this professionally in the future. So yeah, that's 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 the path forward is to do do all the things, try to figure all the things out
0: about how to really take this to the next step that's awesome and that's that seems largely in line with the things that i've been looking at as well um i'm going to be graduating at the end of next year and then i've been looking at art school because the art school here has uh ceramics glass metal which includes jewelry and sculpture and then all of the traditional arts you know painting and stuff i felt like there was one more i can't remember right now but I've been looking at that to do maybe a two-year course or something there. And then things like you said, those those smaller business classes. I'd, I can't imagine myself sitting for four years to get a degree in something I'm not going to do. Exactly.
1: That's the, that's the you know, fear.
0: Because I know I'm going to end up making my stuff. So all the school I'm doing, I just want to make it to make me a better person for what I want to do. Because I don't need that degree to get myself a job or anything. So, yeah, just picking out picking out the things that you need it sounds like sounds like we're pretty much on the same page on that one which i think i think is the way forward you know this traditional you know path through post secondary is seems to be working less and less as you know it becomes more competitive you have to uh distinguish yourself yeah
1: for sure cuz it's like it's so common for people our age to you know go to school and then they're told that you have to go to college and then go to college for something that they're not passionate about and then they spend four years and some money on something that they're not passionate about and then they end up being, you know, they're older and they're like, wow, like what have I done with my life? And it's it's just, it's a scary thing to, you know, fall into the path just because that's what everyone else is doing and I think that making things is like such a, such a powerful way to kind of get out of that because you, you know, you're so young and you're so fulfilled in what you're doing and it's kind of, like I didn't understand how powerful that was like finding something that I love that just I can just spend all day doing and I'm really fortunate to have that so yeah it's it's definitely something special and I I have been looking at art schools as well because
0: that seems like a very um valuable thing to go to just to get that you know yeah. that knowledge and just to try weird things like I I don't see my s- any other situation in which I'll get to try glass blowing exactly, realistically yeah you know so yeah i think i think things like that and actually the art school in calgary you know the big city in alberta um is across the street from the southern alberta institute of technology what do you, what it's sate um it's the trade school so i could i could be doing some art classes some trade classes just to like learn machining or other side things that'll help me and then there's the, I think there's Alber- University of Alberta and University of Calgary there. So there's so much school all in one small area that I could take all the stuff that I want, sort of, which I like that. that That's pretty look. Neat. Yeah. We've, di- we've dived, we don't, we got deeper into um, talking about school than I intended to, but I think it's something that a lot of young makers have to think about. And so I guess it was a good thing to touch on for sure. Um, so yeah, we've talked about plans, building a brand, um, business, sounds like, you know, we've covered a lot of the things I like to cover in the podcast. It's been just a fantastic and jam packed conversation. And so before we end it out, you know, we'll end out soon, but I really wanted to see, you know, is there anything else you wanted to touch on or a message you'd like to put out?
1: Um... I guess the message i'd like to put out is just like you know if, if someone's listening to this and they're uh you know they're really interested in all of these different crafts like i was when i was 14 i saw all these people on youtube and I listened to podcasts about all these people making things and it seems like so far away and distant but then you see something like a video like i saw an alex steel video where they made like a little propane forge out of like four fire bricks and some uh sheets of steel and i was like i could i could do that and i could start blacksmithing so that was my entry into it, but when you see something that, you know, can get you there, just just go, just go and do it. Because it is definitely something that I have found an insane amount of purpose and joy through. And I think that if people, you know, got their hands dirty and, you know, tried these things, they, they would really enjoy it and find some
0: value out of it. So, yeah. Wow. What an awesome message and what a great way to end out the show. We're coming right up to an hour, which is right where I like it to be. Thank you, Sam, for a great show. And your words, I'd just like to build on it. You know, it's never been easier. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, in the last hundred years, it's never been easier to get into these these uh, crafts. It's a movement. Join the movement. It's good for you. Um, And, yeah, with that, I'd love to thank you again, Sam Smith at what's your Instagram you want to shout it out real quick for everybody yeah my Instagram is
1: just my name it's Samuel CP Smith and you can find me there I do I post you know ton of different things that I make all sorts of different things
0: awesome that will be in the description or show notes depending on what you're listening on as will my Instagram at Aaron iron and steel with uh, underscores between each word and the podcast Instagram at young makers podcast send me questions Uh, concerns, comments, you know, anything, like, subscribe, review, whatever you're, there's so many platforms people listen on, there's, every button means something different, do something, you know, get involved with the podcast, I love to see the fan or listener involvement, and, yeah, thank you so much for listening, Young Makers Podcast on the Makery Network comes out every Tuesday morning, so, until next time. Keep making, keep listening.
1: If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network.